0: Public with the uh, like any attack like that, so he kind kept it clean. Um, I thought I could beat him just on the fundamentals. So the guy you ran against, he
1: uh, he he, had, he got a DUI.
0: No, no, no. So uh, well, the, the uh, he didn't get a DUI. He was reported in a couple of uh, papers to have like um, gotten drunk and like uh, basically like verbally assaulted his like girlfriend and had like kind of like a series of like fights and like um, uh, basically just being in a emotionally. A verbally abusive relationship okay um back with his like one of his uh, exes uh, so then that had a major airplay during the 2018 cycle when he ran and it was like one of the reasons why he, d- he didn't win right so it was like a pretty close race yeah, yeah um that he was in back in 2018 and then um those allegations kind of resurfaced but not as much uh, during this 2019 run okay. um yeah because it was mostly um i think Beatrice was still probably attacking and hitting him on it um and we had a lot of people that were just kind of outside my campaign that were like hitting him on it. Uh, yeah. But my my particular campaign, we're like, we're just trying to focus on the issues, you know, talk directly to voters. And yeah, you know, yeah, th- yeah. we thought that was going to be the strategy to win. Right. You should have just went after him. Well, some people were like, Man. put him in jail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> <who is it? laughs> Get him out of here. You know what? That's what people like, though. That's what won. People like to shit. You're just like, get him out of yeah. here. <laughs> it's like the attack. Uh, but it's like it's weird like, cuz I feel like my like style is like kind of a reaction against because I'm like, man, I really like that's just like I want to be angry all the time. I'm like, no, I want like people there that yeah, like yeah. care. There's like a different sort of like leadership that I want to see. And yeah. um, that's what, like I was really trying to do and like it's hard to walk that line cuz it's just so tempting to go dark and negative. Yeah, yeah, but, like right? all the
1: time you're like, "Oh <laughs> yeah." well <And> It's hard. <laughs> well, you're on the radar and the saint now. Yeah. So you're going to get a little bit of both. All Let's right. get this podcast started. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to The Raider and the Saint. I am your host, Stephen G. Gaxiola. What's up, you bad mother foes? I don't want to cuss. I'm going to try to limit that on this podcast. I want to thank everybody. First off for, first off and foremost, I think that's the right way to say it. But anyways, I want to thank all my listeners, all my supporters out there. Um, once again, I can't do without your guys' support. And I uh, um, also want to give a couple shout-outs. You know, I figure I want to give a couple shout-outs to some people. Um, one shout-out I want to give, uh, give a thanks to is a, a listener that gave a co- my first comment on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. So I want to give that thank you to Pedro Escada, if I'm saying that correctly. Thank you for your comment and thank you for your support. Uh, another homie I want to give a shout-out to, a coworker of mine named John Souza. saw Souza last night. Um, Souza, for my listeners She got in a uh, very uh, horrific motorcycle accident Where he couldn't walk And it was good to see him up and walking again He's getting better Souza, I love you bro Yes, you can come on the podcast when you get the chance When you're able to cu- uh, get over here We'll get you on um, News and events I want to give uh, my condolences to Frank Hopefully I don't screw this up Ordonez a uh, UPS driver who was held hostage in his UPS truck um, died in a shootout between police and the robbers. So uh, I wanna give my condolences to the family. Um, the guy, uh, if you guys didn't know, there was a armed robbery uh, that had happened. The driver happened to be around. Um, the robbers carjacked him, and uh, the police ended up catching up to the UPS truck and shooting the whole truck to bits. And unfortunately, um, UPS driver couldn't get out in time And the cop shot him Or it could have been the robbers, I don't know the details But my condolences to the family Frank, you will be missed, my brother um, Another thing, I, I know that I said That I was going to do a beer exchange Today, but um, I have a special guest That I wanted to get on today I kind of didn't want to mess up The rhythm that I, that I had with, with the podcast and, and the positivity And the good vibes I've been getting So, um i will be going into it later but i will not be podcasting um so we'll try to get a later time i know uh shout out to brandon harper who's a brewmaster over there um i want to let you know bro um he said that he's gonna have um another uh beer exchange in in the coming months so we'll be able to get the podcast equipment over there and do a podcast there another announcement i want to uh, say is uh I want one of my good friends, Jake Duddy, he was on the, uh, I think he was like podcast for Mr. Jake Duddy's girlfriend named Nicole. She's doing a fundraiser this uh, next uh, Sunday, December 15th. It's at the second door or second floor in Huntington Beach. The address is 126 Main Street in Huntington Beach. I'm pretty sure you guys know where that's at. I guess the bar is called the second floor. They're having a fundraiser slash art walk slash nightmare Christmas party. Uh, it's a fundraiser for the homeless children. It's $10. Uh, bring a $10 toy and receive a raffle ticket, and they'll be raffling certain things off. But so, that, yeah, I wanted to make that announcement. I will be there as well. I will be giving my support just like Jake Duddy supported me by coming on the podcast. So second floor, that's the name of the place. It's a fundraiser for the homeless children, so if you guys can make it out there, uh, bring a $10 toy um, to enter the raffle, and the address is 126 Main Street in Huntington Beach. That is Sunday, December 15th at 7 p.m. Now, to the good part. My guest today is a graduate from Cal Berkeley. He's got a Master's in Library and Information Science from UCLA. He also has another master's in urban and regional planning. He recently was in an election lost by a hundred and how many votes? It was 149, 149 votes just lost by that many. Um, I'm going to let him talk a little bit about himself. I want to introduce you guys
0: to Manny Escamilla. Yeah, thank you, man. Um, yeah. So thanks for having me on. No uh, problem, bro. Yeah, so uh, Manny and I uh, just appreciate uh, Danny or Daniel. I don't know, like, uh, see what you call him.
1: I uh, um, I call him Danny or Danny. Barno, I call him Barrios. Barrios. Yeah, as last name. We all call each other at work last or by our last names. Okay. Oh, yeah, my last name is Gaxiola, but everyone calls me Gax. What's Gax. up Gax? I only think most people they a lot of people now the young kids they think my first name is Gax.
0: Yeah, no, and like with <laughs> Gax I'm like, man, that's a badass name. <laughs> like I'm like, all right, cool. Like so I thought that was like your stage name.
1: No, <laughs> no, that I got that name a long time ago, even like when I was in high school for sure, they called me Gax on the football team and cool. it just stuck. You know, but uh, I always introduce myself as Steven, but, you know, m- yeah. most of the dudes call me Gags. I'm fine with it. But, yeah, I call uh, Danny uh, Barrios. Yeah. What's up, Barrios? <laughs> I got All Danny right. Barrios in the, in the studio as well. He's a coworker of mine. Uh, and this is his best uh, childhood friend, growing up best friend, I guess you could say, Manny Escamilla. So yeah. tell the people what recently happened with your with your election, man. Yeah. Mean, what were you running for? Yeah. You know, and and, and give us a uh, little story.
0: OK, yeah, no, because it's crazy because I think everyone always focuses on like national elections and kind of big things going on. We're like looking at like all these candidates for the Democratic Party and kind of that whole craziness. It's going to be uh, 2020 against Trump. But, um, you yeah, know, for me, I was always involved in local stuff. So basically, um, you know, grew up in the center of the city uh, there on uh, Highland Street over with Danny. And, you know, it was just like a tough neighborhood to grow up in. So pretty much every day. Uh, there were shootings. I know, like, Danny's had people like stabbed in front of his house. Um, I've had people shot in front of mine, and it was just like a you know very tough neighborhood to like just be in. And the number one thing, like, growing up was like, oh, if you're successful and you're smart, you just get the hell out, right? So that's like a big challenge, like, for a lot of uh, people growing up in the city, like, especially in Central City. And you know, I just kind of had my little path where I basically ended up uh, getting all those degrees, but I kept coming back to the city of Santa Ana. Worked for it for 14 years. So mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, from 2006 onwards, I was with the city of Santa Ana, so I had like 14 years. Went mm-hmm. through the um, the parks program, uh, worked at the library. Uh, was basically the archivist for the Santa Ana History Room. So anytime anyone had questions about Santa Ana, I'd be the dude that would like try mm-hmm. to find stuff for them. And uh, from there, I you know ended up uh, working in the city manager's office, which basically administers mm-hmm. uh, the the entire city. So mm-hmm. I just got to learn a lot about citywide operations. Uh, got really interested in like land use, which is uh, in planning issues. So, you know, uh-huh. where buildings go what's allowed What's not allowed all the rules and uh-huh, stuff? Uh-huh. So got super fascinated with that and then it was like, okay I'm gonna you know got invited over to the planning department uh, To work on what's like called the the Santa Ana general plan and that's basically like the long term like hey, this is how Santa Ana is gonna grow This is what we're looking to do um, These are the type of th- things that we're gonna allow we're gonna get uh-huh. a bunch of community input So I worked on that for about three years Um but I got to the point where, you know, like, a lot of the decisions that we ne- needed to make uh, were basically political decisions. So it wasn't even like technical expertise or like listening to the community. And like, it was like, can
1: we afford it or not?
0: No, not even that. It's like, do we have the willingness, like, politically? Are we brave enough to try something? Oh. Uh, but people were just scared, right? So, like, w- what I saw was kind of um, a lack of leadership up there, mm. like, quite honestly. And just a lot of people that just couldn't get along. So there's a lot lot of personality clashes there on the city council. Mm -hmm. Um, And I got to the point in my life where basically uh, my mom uh, was diagnosed with cancer two years ago. Okay. Uh, But she had a really kind of like scary exam um, this last June where basically we thought that the cancer had spread. So Mm -hmm. we thought it was going to be like, uh, for me, I thought it was going to be like one of those things where if that diagnosis had held um it was gonna be like fatal within like three to five years right so that was wow. yeah you know, the what time kind of r- cancer was it so it's a uh, lung cancer okay yeah so she has lung cancer one sure. of my
1: boys who sorry to cut you off yeah. but one of my boys uh, who was just on my podcast Jared Tanaka shout out to Jared uh, he was on the podcast his wife died of colon cancer she was 30 wow. yeah he came on the show and talked about it It was real real deep yeah you know so uh, we, kn- we know about that stuff on this podcast so continue
0: yeah, you know, so it's like, yeah, it's one of those things. It's like your know, life and death, so it kind of like um, alters your timeline, right? So for me, I thought maybe I was going to be working for the city until I retired and then basically maybe run or do something in the future, but uh, I just kind of saw that and I knew that I wanted her to be around for, for at least you know one of the elections, right? Mm-hmm. And if I didn't do it then, wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do it four years later or anything mm-hmm. else, so... Yeah, just went for it, you know, basically quit my job with the city, so, you know, all my stability, everything else. Wow. That it, like. so you had
1: to quit your job to go run.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, it's one of these things where, like, uh, you can't, if I was to win, I'd have to quit, but then if I, if I was to lose, it's like, well, what's the calculation that the uh, person I, like, ran against isn't going to retaliate internally? So uh-huh. then I was like, well, uh-huh. I'm just going to have to make the jump. Um, yeah, so I made the jump
1: so so now what are you doing now what's your next next move
0: right so right now i basically um so i saved up enough money i'm just living off of uh savings right now and i have like a fairly low-key lifestyle um you know the only thing i splurge on are like these sweaters (laughs) (laughs) so and even my my ties i get i get them for like a dollar at goodwill so um you know so it's, it's all good there and um yeah, just applying to different uh, cities, different uh, planning departments, and kind of seeing uh, what comes up. But all those jobs usually take about, like, six months to fill, just government process. Yeah, yeah. you got to go through, like, five interviews. Now, and how
1: is it to get into positions like that, especially with someone with the background like that you have?
0: Um, I'm, I'm a pretty good candidate. It's, like, basically all those years of experience, various mm-hmm. departments. um Just like the different projects I've been involved with, Um, so typically a strong candidate. So the only issue is like just the hiring process when it comes to cities, Mm -hmm. takes a really long time. Mm So um, you know part of that is because you don't want um, politicians basically just hiring their buddies. Mm -hmm. So most cities have like these anti-corruption things in place, but it means you have to go through like four interviews. You have Mm -hmm. to go through like the first one, then you have to get qualified by the human resources. Then they're like, okay, well, we'll do the first interview, and it's a panel of outside people, and you have to schedule that, and
1: Dang. it just keeps
0: going. And then the final one, you go talk to your actual like boss that you're gonna have, and maybe then, like, if the money's there in the budget, then oh. they'll get you. And if it's not, they have to wait three months until that position gets filled. And Jeez. yeah, it's it's crazy. So um, that's why like people are like, man, you left that, like, yeah, like I thought it was the right thing to do. Yeah, I, and well, it,
1: sounds like it. You know what yeah. I mean? It, it is scary, you know, but. You know, it it's built in us, dude, to to, to do, uh, to go on a venture and do new things. You <laughs> know, like I try not, you know, we sh- we shouldn't worry about money or anything like that, but follow our passion. <laughs> you know, and this this is one of my my passions I've been wanting to do for a long time. So to see you, you know, I mean, like I said, I, I haven't interviewed you, I I don't, I barely met, met you, but <laughs> I can tell, man, like you you got what it's it's gonna take.
0: Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. It's um, yeah, it was humbling, and I think that you know, the best part of of this entire experience was like. For me, I just really love this city. I lo- love the people that that are here. Um, I love like the different neighborhoods, the businesses, and I think that Santa Ana is just a really special place. It's um, gotten a lot better. Oh yeah. Oh my god.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's cleaned up a lot. I mean, yeah, we got a lot of homelessness around here, but as far as like crime activity, what, what do you think about that?
0: that's and that's the thing I think for for a lot of folks, it's like how much it's improved, right? So, like you were saying, like um, you know, Danny and I experienced basically shootings every night. At least, you know, some nights it was like twice. Um, and then uh, you know, every Fourth of July, not, it was Fourth of July, and then New Years are fucking terrifying for me there were just so many shootings uh, So you the air. Still,
1: so uh, you live r- close by, don't you?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'm over uh, by uh, Rayton Highlands. So it's like near the Jungle Park yeah. area. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. 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 yeah and
0: so yeah, I live there, and it was just scary because um, basically you know, instead of fireworks, it'd be like gunshots in the air, <laughs> and like you'd always like hear like news reports about like people getting like hit by stray bullets or be shot in the air, and yeah, you're yeah. like, oh crap, they're all right here. Um, you know, the only like thing we'd say is like, well, if they're all shooting from here, they have to land somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know it's like a pretty like morbid way to look at life so um yeah i grew up as a even though i, I don't look at now but like it's a total metalhead because you know the yeah. world was so scary dark mm-hmm. and bleak and you're like man there's like a darkness in human in in, in like our, our human nature
1: oh yeah yeah
0: um and you know that's all to say that you know, Santa Ana is definitely not uh that to to the extent we definitely have we have more shootings than any other um city in, in the county but we're a relatively safe county right if you look at the like the the it's like the per capita shooting rates. It's like not to justify it or anything, but they're relatively low for for a city of uh, three hundred and thirty thousand people or, or more. Um, our shootings are actually pretty low, mm-hmm. and especially if you like take into account uh, unemployment, uh, education, and poverty level, like all those things, um, Santa Ana should be like two to three times like more. Like we should have two to three times more shootings than mm-hmm. we do, um, if you just like base it off of those stats. But um, you know, part of it for me is that we I think that you know the numbers don't say that you know we have really um, kind of these intact um, Mexican families and like Latino families that are basically together that you know, might be like working class poor, but we're um, still They're sticking kind of and sticking together. Yeah. So there's like you said, like those issues. Now,
1: sort far of is like obviously there's still gangs involved mm-hmm. in or gangs around here and stuff like that. Th- have they gotten smart and they gotten underground and said, hey, th- instead of k- keep getting our name out there and tagging and stuff, let's go underground? And and, and and move in that type of self-mode, you yeah. know, and, and instead of doing drive-bys and doing that, let's, let's make money and sell drugs and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and uh, there's actually um, a very famous uh, event that happened over at El Salvador Park. It was like a meeting of all the gangs. and. Really? Yeah. When, when was that? Oh, dude, this was like late 80s, I think. Uh, so the guy that just uh, ran the Mexican Mafia here in the county was... Um, just passed away like maybe four years ago. Hmm. So there was an uptick in shootings after he, he went away because he was like basically, you know, like local boss, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, everybody's trying
1: to get that power. Yeah,
0: exactly. So we were like, oh shit, he's gone. Like, and then like, it was like, yeah, it's going to get rough for the next like couple of months. And it did, right? There's like a huge like spike where like people were just kind of like carving out territory. Um, I'm forgetting his name right now. But one of the big things that he did was when he was still kind of like in charge, he got together all the gangs over at Salvador Park and uh, they basically declared an end to uh, drive-bys. So essentially what they did is kind of this gang code where if you would do a drive-by, then everyone else basically had open season on your particular particular gang. So it was like one of these things where it was like an internal enforcement mechanism. Mm -hmm. So you could still like people were still shooting each other uh but it really lowered the amount of drive-bys that were going on mm-hmm. um there's a whole like convoluted history there and that's the thing like i yeah, really love the history of the city but it's so hard to get like an understanding of what's going on in that world mm-hmm. and i don't think there's ever been anyone really that's documented it because it's, it's like a terrifying world to like go into right like because if you go in like trying to ask people like whoa so like who caused what shooting it's like that is like mm. you know people don't talk about that yeah <laughs> uh as they shouldn't right <laughs> Because um, it's one of those things that um, it's a really fascinating history as to how it all happened. But that just because there's so many different stories and mm-hmm. legends, uh, mm-hmm. it's going to be a while I think before we really uh, figure out what happened there. was going to have to like be someone that was there, present, that could actually like relate their life story. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's going to happen until people are like towards the end of their life. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So what's going on with? Uh, I heard you talk over here. You talking to Danny about? You got another election coming out in March 2020. Mm-hmm. do not you tell tell me a little bit about that? Yeah,
0: so um, so I'm running for the Democratic uh, Central Committee for the 69th Assembly District. So it mm-hmm. sounds really convoluted because it is, mm-hmm. and it's like one of these things where um, power is so entrenched in different bureaucracies. Mm-hmm. This is basically the bureaucracy for the Democratic Party of Orange County. So um, every um, Every city or every place in California has an assembly person. Basically, it's like the California um, House of Representatives. And then we also have a state senator. Mm -hmm. So those areas are all divided up. And then that's the way the the two parties, the Democratic and the Republican Party, uh, organize their particular uh, party representatives at the local level. So uh, there's six seats uh, for the 69th District, which is basically the west side of Anaheim Mm -hmm. and then all of Santa Ana. Mm. Um, So there's six uh, seats open And there's I think about 14 of us running So we just basically have to get like the top half So if I'm in the top half get to be part of that And you get to do um, endorsements You talk about um, platform Like for the Democratic Party and uh you just get a little bit more involved in like the day-to-day of getting voters registered and just like all that that sort of thing okay
1: yeah that's that sounds fun man yeah it's,
0: it's cool for me yeah every, some people might find it uh, tedious and it is in it's a way yeah. yeah it's like it it is very tedious but um
1: it's a start you got to start somewhere it's a base yeah
0: it, it's a base and it's also like these things matter because it ends up uh, impacting like people's um lives right so for me uh my big challenge with the local democratic party is that um, i think we have a new generation of people that want to see something different for the party mm-hmm. um that are maybe not as friendly to let's say um, oil companies gas companies because you know um, orange county actually had a big a large amount of oil so like the mm-hmm. Brea oil fields huntington beach if you look at all these old photos yeah. uh, there, there's a lot of kind of companies that started out over here and even with like aerospace and defense companies and stuff like all those like kind of big businesses that are in these different industries um, they left their mark on both the democratic and republican party and then that's something that's an issue now it's kind of like a little divide uh mm-hmm. between it and for me I just want the democratic party to really represent kind of working people right and mm-hmm. at the end of the day uh try to make sure that you know folks that are working hard kind of you know barely making ends meet have like the support or at least are like we have policies in place that help that and don't hurt them mm-hmm. so that that's what I'm looking to do
1: because mm-hmm. how much corruption you think is going on you know in, in politics today you know i mean mm. we, we hear it on the news we hear trump's getting impeached and you know you hear this and you hear that it's like you hear mainstream news you don't you don't even uh, believe anything anymore you know so someone like you who's passionate and who wants to do good and get into politics can you tell me you know what you see, you know, as far as, like, there is some stuff going on that we got to clean up, right?
0: Right. So, and part of that is just, like, making it more open and transparent. So, at the end of the day, um, what ends up happening at the local level that I think is the most challenging is that we have these things that are, um, like, closed session items where basically people, um, the elected officials are allowed to go to discuss something in private and not really tell anyone about what's going on there. So, two big examples are with the um, Anaheim Stadium deal. So, like, that whole thing, um, you know, basically kind of comes up for a vote. Um, I haven't heard an update on what exactly and how it got to where it is, but it's, like, $324 million of, like, public land, apparently, and it's going to be sold off. And, you know, that basically happens without really a public input or discussion or, like, what people should do with that money. So, there's something, like, maybe going on there, mm-hmm. um, and that that's, like, right at the surface. Um, things that are a little bit smaller or maybe, like, the way contracts are, like, given out. So you know when the cities like give out contracts they don't like tell everybody then it's just like oh hey the contract's up and like you know send in your paperwork Mm -hmm. um even though you're the third person like in this like rating system we're still going to choose you because of this other reason that we're going to justify and then no one's going to notice it because it's buried in like you know page 20 of this like like this agenda and then like if you really read the report it's like you know 600 pages and you're like well i'm not really going to read that yeah. so uh, <laughs> you know and so that's the thing i want to you know do a little bit more of a you know really thank you for like having me on this podcast i do want to do kind of one on um city issues okay And yeah, because of that because it's really hard to navigate and you know for me like i get like i said you know 14 years of working in this bureaucracy mm-hmm. i kind of notice like these different people got
1: to be informed man yeah. you know like people w- i feel like if you don't go out there and look for the information of what's going on in your city, I mean, th- yeah, there there is information that you can get, but you know, even even with my union, um, my business manager, uh, business agent, and uh, I think it's the vice president, not the vice president. What was uh his his title? Kelly, Patrick Kelly. Anyways, uh, two uh guys recently uh, they lost their jobs through through. Voting, you know, pe- they got voted out. So, you know, they're going to be gone, you know, from the u- head of the union and other guys are coming in. New guys are coming in. And, you know, they, they're people are upset. And I was like, well, you know, no one voted. You right. know, you, you, you want to you win. You want to do good. You got to go out and get your votes. Yeah. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean, you got to get in there you got to meet every shake every single person's hand if you have to mm-hmm. me i mean me starting this podcast i tell everybody about the co- podcast i go hey how you doing i start a podcast what was it about And, then, and this i'm get i'm getting my pitch down but I've learned you wanna get something done, you wanna get, get up there, mm-hmm. you gotta put the work in. Yeah. It, and tell people the story, I mean, I, I think we briefly talked about it, but you went to how many houses, you know, <laughs> recently when you uh, had this election, how many houses did you go to?
0: So it was uh, 2,000 households total that we basically managed to get to. Um, so I knocked personally on 1,000 uh, of those doors, so, and that wasn't even counting, like people just like stop by, just the ones we were tracking, um, stopped by at least 1,000 houses, uh, pretty much out there every day. Like I'd lost like 20 pounds, like just walking. So it was Which great. I, I walk all day long. I can't lose 20 pounds, bro. I don't know. This is a test for you. Sure I wasn't from stress. <laughs> no, like, I think it was like also I was drinking less because I was like I was like always like on right. So yeah, then yeah. I was like it wasn't really heading out or I wasn't going out like um, you know with friends like eating or anything. I was just like all right, cool, like busy, 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 like for like those three months. So it was, you know I did it as a full time job like running because I knew that um, you know I didn't have political connections. I didn't have big donors. Um, there wasn't established kind of like network there. I had to basically build everything from scratch. Learn about um, what it's like to you know, to run an election. This is actually the first campaign I'd been ever involved in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, was, it was my <laughs> own. Um, yeah, but I think I did uh, you know pretty well. We were within one percent of the the person that won. And if you actually look at the map, the way that it uh, works out. I won every single part of the city uh, against them except for north of 17th. So mm. for those folks that know Santa Ana, just, you know, it's like that one particular. That's particular a rich area. Yeah. North
1: of 17th. I know what you're talking about. Right. Kind of, yeah.
0: Yeah, it is. It's, it's a wealthy area of the city, and I didn't lose them because they were wealthier. I lost. What
1: about them. Cajon Heights? That's Santa Ana. considered consider Santa Ana too, right? Uh, Cohen Heights? Yeah, Cohen Heights is over there off of 17th and Newport. Um, so you no, take no. seventies all the way to the end. That's still considered Santa Ana too. No, no. So that's,
0: a uh, unincorporated Santa Ana. So, it's oh. like a, so we had these little spots. Um, so like North Tustin still has like Santa yeah. Ana addresses. Yeah. Um, but all that is actually part of the county. Oh, so that's they just, right. Yeah. So they got assigned, uh, the Santa Ana post office back when Santa Ana was like the only big city around. So they just got that post office and until they become their own official city or get, you know, annexed into Tustin or something else. Um, yeah, they're 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 not Santa Ana, but I know that's like some you So what do they get to vote on then? Uh, so they get to vote pretty much only on uh, board of supervisors races. So the board okay. of supervisors, anything at the state level, San Diego um, state level, yeah, okay. it's anything at the federal level as well. But they don't have any local city that they report to. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, but then they get uh, sheriffs and um, OCFA, so the Orange County Fire Authority. Yeah, th- it's great. I know it's l- these little things. Uh you know like technically then uh John Wayne Airport is also kind of the same situation. It's technically SNA, Santa Ana Airport. Yeah, yeah. But right. everyone, you know, it
1: thinks it's uh what is it? Isn't it that Irvine?
0: Yeah, that's all right. So uh, It's surrounded by Irvine pretty much, but okay. it's still like so uh, it's unincorporated so Orange County and the county hasn't given that up. They just want all that like they want the authority around it. It's it's a, it's a big thing for the county to to be able to control that.
1: One one question, yeah. uh, another question I want to ask you is uh I'm a I'm a graduate from Cal State Fullerton, and it, it was uh, a great experience for me. But there was a time when I was at FJC, I was part of a program called the TAP program.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I was. too.
1: Yeah, you were too. Yeah, I was. I went on a field trip with Fullerton. It was uh, FJC because that's where I went FJC. So if you're a part of the TAP program, mm-hmm. you're able to, uh, you know, you get fun, you get certain uh, events and functions they do so one of them was we they paid for us to take a plane up north and we got to see uh monterey mm-hmm. uh what is that yeah monterey uh college santa cruz college and then cal berkeley okay. and i want to tell you cal berkeley was the most beautiful school i've ever seen and it's <laughs> crazy how those buildings look, the structures and it just, just looks so i don't even know how to say it you know they just looked, it looked so inspiring and you know and, and it's crazy you you go across the street like you're on campus next thing you know you go, you go across the street you're, you're in downtown yeah <laughs> tell the people about that experience man because right. i mean i really wanted to go to that school but i wasn't smart enough dude how, how did you get in <laughs> i mean
0: i asked dan i go how do you get in at berkeley i go you got to be really fucking fr- smart <laughs> yeah, I like i test well i think it was always like the the excuse there so for me uh, what it was is um so pretty much uh, k through eighth I, I was a pretty good student k through like uh eighth grade Um, And then, like, uh, basically kind of lost myself a little bit uh, during high school. So I was a C student uh, during high school because I knew if you got Cs, people would leave you alone. If you got Ds and Ss, people were like, oh, shit, what's wrong? Mm. Uh, But if you just got Cs, people would leave you alone. They're like, oh, yeah, he's fine. Just, like, move him on. Like, he's a C student. Yeah. Whatevs. Um, But just like the the program that you were in, I was – um, getting ready to be part of uh, was u-link to get you over to UCI, so it was like a guaranteed transfer program to UCI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I r- enrolled in that, and one of the benefits for that was going uh, on what we call the Northern trip. So we didn't get a plane; we got a bus. Oh, you got a bus. Yeah, yeah we got a plane. Yeah, it was my
1: first time on a plane too. I think. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's yeah. cool. that no, we didn't. We didn't get. We didn't get a plane. We got. <laughs> we got a bus. Uh, it was nice though, because then it was like a party. It was almost like you know, school, like a bunch of eighteen-year-old kids, like yeah. and like. I think uh, the oldest ones were maybe like able to drink, because I remember. I think some people like bought booze for us, like when we were up there. um but, anyways, like we was like. Was this, was this, w- so was w- this from high school? Out no. of high school? Or? Uh, so, this is uh, the summer right after I graduated from high school. Okay. Because so, I was over at middle college, um, which was like on the Santa Ana campus. I was already kind of taking college classes. Oh, shit. Um, okay. And that was great. That was a great experience for me. So, um, I was there, still kind of getting C's and B's or whatever. But we e- ended up going to Santa Barbara, Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. Uh, uc davis and uc berkeley mm-hmm. so we called it northern trip hit all the northern uc's yeah. and when i was at berkeley i was like oh shit the like, same feeling like i want to go here dude it was yeah. inspiring yeah so i was sit- like sitting there was like it was probably one of the most life-changing trips i've ever had right so just like mm-hmm. that one me too yeah right it's just like oh shit it's a brand new world right mm-hmm. didn't see it. I'm like okay and then it's like dude
1: they yeah. clap i was watching uh v- youtube videos i saw on berkeley because i was like i'm gonna freshen up a little bit mm-hmm. about it I have never seen a class, you know, full of like five hundred people. When the teacher's done with his lecture, everybody starts clapping. Like the guy just handled his shit, dude, and just laid it down and Mm -hmm. fools just start clapping. (laughs) I was like, dude, (laughs) are you kidding me right now? Who claps after the teacher's done making doing a lecture? I tell my kids, kids every yeah. time the teacher's done you start clapping for them
0: yeah no dude like the, the, the did, did, teachers did, did, did you experience com- that yeah the teachers there were inspirational man like it, it's like one of those things where like um for me like i would have fun just like popping into classes right because you'd be like oh this is cool like i don't want to do the homework or the reports yeah, but yeah, yeah. i want to listen to this guy <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> yeah um so that was great and you know for me like uh once i got back from that trip i basically told my counselor i was like okay what does it take to get in and she's like well you need to have like she looked at my grades like okay you can't make it in like this and yeah and she was like she was straight up with me like mm, i don't yeah. know about this uh, <laughs> but she basically said like you you have to get straight a's from now on uh enroll in the honors program so you have to bring your, your gpa up enough to get into the honors program so we had to get like a certain number of classes that summer get the a's get enrolled into the honors program take all the honors courses so i'm like all right step one then go volunteer in something that is related to what you want to do and do it for as many hours as you can and get this like presidential scholarship award like for doing so many hours i'm like okay cool so then i went to go volunteer at the santa Ana history room Mm -hmm. because i was interested in history that preservation so i got like hands-on experience in an archive i wanted to transfer out as a history major basically did that volunteering so i ended up volunteering for like maybe like 2000 hours like there um, you know, they got me a job too, but then I continued volunteering and then it's a the, lot of
1: volunteering, huh?
0: Yeah. It, it was like the letters of rack. Uh, I was basically on the phone or like emailing, um, the transfer counselors, the people that were kind of like looking at the application. So I was like there with, them, like using any of the connections I could. Um, and then like the letter finally came in and it was like, I remember it was just like, you know, life changing. Wow. Um, yeah. Did no, you get scholarships for that? Or? Ah, man, I wish. No. Oh, like,
1: you got to pay for it. How I, much did it cost you, though?
0: Actually, that one wasn't that bad because it was like, um because yeah, even the the UCs could be expensive. It was mostly living expenses, right? So like, I ended up taking probably about twenty thousand dollars out in like student loans for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, for four years? No, it was just the two years because I transferred years. in. So transferred oh, in. For,
1: oh, you transferred in for Santa Ana College. Yeah, so I transferred okay, from yeah. Santa. Yeah. So um, All
0: right. yeah, so also you know, graduate from uh, from Santa Ana. Actually, it was uh, just over there the other day. They gave me what, a y- what year did you graduate from Berkeley? Uh, I was out
1: in 08. Oh, OK. Yeah. yeah, I graduated Cal State in 04. Yeah, yeah. Man, 08. Mm-hmm. So that was what we're in 2000. So yeah, 11 years ago.
0: Man, yeah, I guess so.
1: And then so you went right after. Did you go right after to. Uh, UCI to uh, you get your master's or you take oh, them, no. them off?
0: Yeah, so I, um, I was still trying to figure out uh, what I was going to do. So I ended up um, I came back, uh, kept working over at the Santa Ana Public Library, uh, and at that point, kind of lucked out that uh, the position over as the archivist for that room opened up. So they basically said, like, okay, get into a library school, you can have this position basically running this, uh, the history room, the Santa Ana history room, the archive. I was like, oh, this is great. So I enrolled in uh, a program with San Jose State, an online program, mm-hmm. and I fucking sucked at it. I was just like, "Oh, sorry." Like, no, oh, you no, good. Then, you can cuss, like, bro. You cuss, it's okay. all right. I was like, "Oh no, yeah, yeah. PG-13." No, 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 all right.
1: I always mess around. I go,
0: "Hey, come down. It's a family show."
1: <laughs> yeah. You know. But right. no, right. You're good.
0: All right. So yeah, no, but I, um, I ended up getting kicked out of that program. I just not do well online. Like to me, it was like almost like a. Um, it almost felt just like a chat room moment. I'm like, ah, oh, I don't really need to do that. Yeah. yeah. So it was, like, really, like, bad for my learning style. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, like, in a bit of a funk because I was like, oh, man, like, I just, like, graduated Berkeley and I couldn't even do this online program that everyone's supposed to pass and, like, be super easy for everybody. But mm-hmm. for me, it was, like, uh, I had a lot of anxiety just, like, being in, like, in a chat room. Like, that was just, like, weird for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I continued on. Um, got a few letters of recommendation from like the state library because like, I ended up working on a project that got me like in front of the state librarian mm-hmm. um, Like with with Santa Ana um, And that letter of rec I think is what got me into UCLA So then I got into UCLA's uh, library program over at the graduate school mm-hmm. for education and information science GE no GSEIS <laughs> mm-hmm. um, So got into that school and that, that was great that was a really wonderful experience over at UCLA But that was like probably about a four-year gap between um, you know, graduating from, mm-hmm. from Berkeley and then finally graduating from UCLA the first time. How old are you now? Uh, now I'm 33. 33.
1: Damn. Dang, you sound like you're like 40, 43, bro, with all the schooling and stuff you've been doing. Yeah. So you've just been doing a lot of schooling, getting into politics, a lot and, of municipal
0: um, stuff, w- yeah. <laughs>
1: what's next? What's next on your agenda? PhD, maybe?
0: No, no, no. So I actually I had to decide whether I was going to go for a PhD, and that's where um, after I graduated from uh, UCLA with the, that first master's. I was actually thinking about getting a PhD in, in information science, and I was going to do basically archival studies. I was going to go live in the East Coast because uh, I wanted to go to the University of Maryland, mm-hmm. uh, so I could work at the either the National Archive uh, or, for, or uh, you know the Federal National Archive over there, mm-hmm. or for the Library of Congress. Those are like the two places I wanted to go work at. So wow. I was like, okay, I'm going to do a PhD. I'm going to do the stuff. And I'm going to focus on getting local connection collections to the national level. That's that's what I wanted to do. Uh-huh. Um, and as I was kind going through the application process and my professors from UCLA were like, yeah, we'll sign off on it. We'll get you a spot over there. Like, just like, just go do it. Um, I got invited to work for the city manager um, here in San Anna. Okay. So that was like when David Cavazos was here and he basically had this program where they would get um, people from like the city, like just random, like uh, people that they're like, okay, this is a good candidate. We're going to show them how the city operates because we need like different managers and we mm-hmm. want to like train people on like citywide operations so I was sitting there in my office one day like at this history room and i got like get a call it's like oh the city manager wants to see you we're gonna set up a meeting for next week mm-hmm. i'm like oh crap i just like what did i do like i just thought yeah. i got in trouble you know and I, was like, <laughs> I was like uh okay you know because i'm like here like all the way at the bottom of the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the list yeah. over here um just you know frontline staff at the library yeah and we met and he was just like yeah we have this program we want to like extend it to you like is that something you'd be interested in you'd start in june and yeah that changed about uh, you know the course there as well mm-hmm. so i ended up uh, sticking around um, got to meet the former planning director Hassan uh... We hit it off right off the bat. Um, he si- has since uh, passed away, uh, but he told me he was like, "Oh, you're a planner. You're gonna wor- come work for me." Uh-huh. And it, like, he just I thought he was kidding, right? Uh-huh. But he like, he was like, "Okay, no, come on in." So after that whole uh, year with the city manager was done, uh, ended up in the planning department. But I told him the only way I was going to do it uh, was if you let me go back to school so I can get a degree because I don't want to just be somebody you brought in. And if you leave, then uh-huh. it's like, oh, who's this guy? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so it worked out. Uh, basically, managed to get my uh, my planning degree uh, from UCLA as well, the Luskin School. Uh, that one I just graduated from in '08, in twenty eighteen. So it took me another like you know another yeah. four years on that one too.
1: <laughs> Man, it, it, you, your resume is real impressive because that's one of the things I was thinking about doing is going back to get my master's. I got I got my college degree and. Uh, uh, liberal arts. I was going to be a teacher. All right. You know, so I, I got to study a little bit of everything and, and one thing that did interest me was philosophy and mm-hmm. history. So if I ever went, you know, so yeah, I was going to be a teacher and then um, I just, I got tired. Once I graduated, dude, mm-hmm. I was done. I was, I was burnt. I was like, dude, I don't yeah. want to go back for another two years to do my teaching credentials mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know, so at the same time, UPS offered me to go driving because it's a seniority position down mm-hmm. there. So I, it was about Like six years They came at me Well they came at me In four years But I wanted to finish College first But um, once I graduated I tried a couple things Mm -hmm. And it didn't work out I tried to become a cop And that didn't work Yeah I took the uh, Polygraph And flunked that You know They said that When they asked me About cocaine And uh, heroin Mm. That (laughs) it, it spiked When I said no uh, and you're like, was like it. it was a nervous,
0: like, I, no one asked me about cocaine heroin. and I'm like, yeah, oh, that's like, uh. I was like, I was 24, you know what I mean?
1: I, 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 you know, I didn't get into my addiction until later on down the road. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? I was like, well, if the polygraph says it, then fuck it. I might as well. I, exactly. You like, know? like, what am I going to lose here? Like, I'm already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I would, you know, I just continued on with work. And, uh, you know, I said, fuck it. I'm going to go drive. And Ooh. then and I went driving. And I got my first check. I was like, man, you know, I'm getting yeah. paid more than teachers, you know. And yeah. I, And I got a, uh, the mafia behind me, and you know, I got a good pensions and mm-hmm. safe. So I was like, all right, let's do it. So, yeah, I've been a driver ever since. I got, I just got my 20 years from UPS. Oh, nice. You know, yeah. So, yeah, um, and you were a, saying you're,
0: you're you're breaking like that, like the big like a uh, six like figure mark, right? I was like, dude, that's that's better than like what I'd be doing like with all the degrees. And that's the thing that's so important about um, a unionized workforce, right? Mm-hmm. So like that's like another big thing. It's like just like. Having a, like a strong union to be able to like have those benefits in place.
1: I was at a union meeting the other day, and, and the the mayor of Santa Ana came by.
0: Oh, Belido! All right, yeah, because he's he's running for board of supervisors. He oh. wants it, he wants it all. Oh, he, he wants he, it he, all. Yeah,
1: I told him what about the homelessness? Mm-hmm. He, you know, because like everybody's like he's just he's out there. He like oh my god, the way he talks. I'm like, dude, I don't even know you. But if you're going to come over here and talk to us like we're a bunch of dummies, dude, like, you know, people are like, what about the home? Like, what? I, I can't even remember what he talked about because mm-hmm. it didn't even wasn't important for me. What's important? Because I used to be uh, I, I worked in Santa Ana for years as a driver. I had my route up the street off of First Street in New Hope for years mm-hmm. and seeing and, and, and seeing a lot of things and. I have a, my own personal issues with San Ana as far as what could be better. Mm-hmm. And I didn't hear one word or one one thing about what I felt, what he said. You know what I mean? It right. just didn't – and what do you think about him?
0: Uh, so with Polito, uh, he's been my mayor for a very long time. <laughs> um, he said he wants, <laughs> he wants it all. He wants it all. <laughs> no, no, because he's so – he's, um, yeah, because he's running for board of supervisors. And um, I – Personally, like this part of the ca- like at this part of the election, I'm like supporting one of the other candidates, uh, Sergio Contreras. Uh, OK. Yeah. So he's uh, the guy I'm kind of like, OK, this is someone I'd like to like see in that particular position. Um, I think that. Uh, Polito did some good things in the city in, in as far as cleaning up the violence. Right. So that is something you can say that. OK. He and Paul Walters uh, when they were like around looking at as a team. So that was like the former um, police chief. And uh, Dave Rehm was the former city manager here. Um, they basically, you know, as, as a trifecta, controlled the city. And at the very least, like, there was a direction that the city was going in, and you knew exactly, like, if you wanted to get anything done, you get one of the three on board to then convince the other two, and that's where the city went, right? So there was at least, like, a clear, like, Mm -hmm. chain of command, and I think that's when he was the strongest as a mayor. Um... But he had just been in there so long that i think people got like frustrated with the lack of progress on how long has he been the mayor for um so this is at least like 24 years or something wow. now right because uh, he's won yeah he's won 12 terms Jeez. a record setting he's gonna like it so you know i do Santa Ana history right so i'm gonna say he's like probably one of the, the top three most important people in the uh, city's history wow yeah so it's like spurgeon the founder of the city um carl thornton who's like the first city manager and basically set up the modern uh, Santa Ana as it is um he's a guy that, like we have a park named after him not a lot of people know about him but he is, like, the uh, most important person in the kind of, like, middle part of the city's history. And mm-hmm. then Polito is being, like, the big person kind of behind everything, like, post-80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, but, yeah, like, Polito himself, I think um, he has some good qualities as a politician. One of the most skilled people I've ever seen as far as, like, knowing how to get reelected and knowing his electorate and just, like, being able to form alliances, cut deals. You know, he's really good at all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, the modern... Uh, mayor for a lot of places it's really about Being out there with people like showing A lot of like base in public and kind of Having almost like a
1: Where's his office at is his office nearby
0: uh, His office is now in city hall so Like depending on like whether or not he likes the city manager Or whether or not he likes the people that are on staff <laughs> that, Like he'll mm-hmm. either be there or he'll, like have His office somewhere else mm-hmm. um, But he's there a lot more now uh, That's good but um, Yeah he's just like uh, I think He's just been there so long that he it's just kind of a little bit. Do you
1: think eventually you could
0: work your way up to be a mayor?
1: Is that something <laughs> on your agenda, maybe down the I, road? I,
0: I feel that I, um, I feel that I could run for mayor, um, and I, I, I would not personally be, I think, uh, ready for that any position. Oh yeah, of course. Right, like anytime soon. But here, here's the thing: that I, I, personally actually don't like the position of mayor because it's, it's. Uh, we were actually in a what's called known as a, a city manager form of government with a weak mayor. And it's exactly what the way it sounds. Basically, there's, like, this professional, like, city management uh, uh-huh. section that, like, does all the actual day-to-day. Um, and then the mayor, the mayor just shows his face. Yeah, it just shows his face. <laughs> it's more ceremonial than anything. Yeah, and, you yeah. have to, and you have to run every two years. So all the other seats, you have to run every four years. Okay. So I'm like, I'd rather run every four years and have to run every, like, two years um so for me what i'd like to be on is just you know city council kind of turn myself out there 12 years um, and then just see exactly where i end up after that when,
1: d- when can you go for ro- uh, so four years
0: you could do city council again run for it um i can do it because uh, this was a special election so the next election is going to be in 2022 uh okay. for the seat that uh that i was uh, that i'm looking at so yeah. now the big well question you got some work to do but yeah. what's the big question uh, oh no well the big question is which one so like there's gonna be like two seats that are up and i tell everyone this it's like um there are two seats that are going to be up that time if there are two seats w- what's the difference between each seat um, it's like where I'd be living so it's like really like because I've lived in two places in, in, in the city I basically lived in downtown I've lived um, where I'm at right now with my mom and my parents mm-hmm. um, so my mom's doing better so I'm like really glad you know that earlier yeah, yeah, that yeah. earlier scare um, turns out it was did we,
1: t- did, we turn w- did we talk about what kind of cancer was? it, it? was a lung, can- oh it lung, lung cancer okay.
0: yeah so th- we thought it was spreading but actually uh, so about halfway through the election uh, we found out that with another exam that uh, the cancer the, the one we thought was like spreading outside of the, the lung like lung and actually entering the body cavity mm-hmm. was probably something from a pneumonia that she had because then it wasn't there in that next uh, exam mm-hmm. so we're still going to monitor it and see mm-hmm. exactly what's going on but that was like the scarier one because it basically went from not being there to then being like the biggest nodule so it was like growing faster than everything else mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we thought it was going to be super aggressive um, so you
1: go from staying there
0: to going back to downtown, so like well, we're,
1: we're in downtown. You get your own spot in downtown, or what? Uh, yeah,
0: I ha- I a, yeah, I had a yeah, uh, had a condo down here. So it was basically wow. yeah. So basically, it's like do I like live there? Do I live somewhere else? Um, I like
1: the city down here. They really cleaned it up. It's really nice. It's nice. It's, it, really it's
0: uh, um, it, it's definitely uh, some folks have like have had some uh, issues with like the pace of change and kind of like which businesses are here or mm-hmm. not. So the whole gentrification thing is like um, hit and miss for some folks. And I but I know it's uh, a lot of it just ends up being that the city itself has changed. So you know, right now, I don't think people appreciate Main Street enough, right? So we always have this like envisioning, like this perfect Calle that we all have. Yeah, and, like right now, May- rider. Yeah, but now, right now, if you go down Main, that's like, is like Latino. It's dead right now. It's dead, but it's like, as Latino, like if you go mm. down, it's like Mexican businesses on both sides and like, you know, celebrating that and like, you know, going into those businesses, even on, you know, 17th, you know, different parts of Bristol, it's like mm. there are more Mexican businesses here in Santa Ana now than just about ever, but they're not just concentrated in one part. So it's a little bit more spread out. Where's your favorite Mexican restaurant at? Ooh. I know, right? It's harsh. That's I harsh. got one. I got one on you Fish one?
1: Street. Yeah. Uh, Fish Street, all the way on the other side, uh, on Fifth and New Hope. No, yeah, th- yeah, Fifth and New Hope. Fifth and New Hope. Okay. There's a little Mexican spot there. I used to go there. I uh, I I'd, I'd pulled because I used to my route. I've had a bunch of routes in Santa Ana, so mm. I'd go there every morning. I'd I get the package car. I would drive first thing. I'd, I'd go there, get a chili belly burrito. Nice. Yeah. I I got to know uh, a lot of. Uh, Mexican business owners, mm-hmm. and, and that's one thing I take for granted is like, yeah, I should have st- should have stopped to think about it. Like, yeah, look at Mexican owners, you know, immigrants that came, did it the right way, got their papers, started a business, and is now living an American dream. And, yeah. we, and we give back to them by supporting them and going to their restaurants. Mm-hmm. There's got to be more of that. I'm tired of seeing all these all these big corporations and mm-hmm. franchises moving in. You know, we we need more independent owners like look at this Mm -hmm. podcast i'm independent Mm -hmm. you know what i mean no one's telling me what to do no one's telling me what i can cannot say and and same thing goes for a business obviously you got rules and regulations same thing here but to be able to start something out of nothing Mm -hmm. all from an idea you deserve to give in return and that's why i tell people on this podcast
0: folks support your local mexican restaurants Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, small business owners backbone of the American economy. We don't support them enough, and that's where a lot of like our local rules basically favor the big out, you know, corporations. were like, oh yeah, big boxes, come on mm-hmm. in. We'll we'll build the sewers for you. We'll like tear out all these like little like trees. Mm-hmm. We'll make this giant parking lot, and then. You won't pay anything in taxes because we're only going to assess your building at a low rate. And then, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we'll basically let you drain our city of all the money and resources. And then that way you shut down all the other small businesses. It's like it's this crazy cycle that we like feel that we always, um, at least from a lot of like development perspective in the city side, Mm -hmm. that we have to like those are the people that we need to bring in. Otherwise, they are going to fail. But in fact. Um, if we just like do a different approach where like we have a bunch of small little like businesses next to each other that mm-hmm. maybe don't look as pretty and like, you know, we're not going to be able to put on pamphlet and see like, oh, look at this wonderful stuff that we have going on in Santa Ana. So mm-hmm. that when we go to these real estate conferences that happen nationally. Who, who
1: are the bigwigs? Who are the bigwigs that own properties, big buildings? Like where you
0: got the Boyds? Mm-hmm.
1: Cause they got streets named after them, right? <laughs> you got Boyd. Do you know a little bit about that? I
0: don't know anything about the Boyd's. Um, so in Santa Ana, you, you have a couple of people uh, that no, uh, own downtown. I've never done like my full analysis of who exactly owns everything down here. Mm-hmm. Um, but your your biggest property owners, uh, at least locally, that were more controversial, are essentially, you know, Mike Hara that owns a b- bunch of like cool, like cool, interesting, historic buildings down here. Uh, the Chase family has been long, a long a local downtown owner. Uh, the Chaws as well are a little like they're they're present uh, and actually in Republican politics a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but they're also just uh, you know very, uh, from my understanding, very nice people to to work with. And in fact, all of them have kind of their nice qualities about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing we don't talk about as much is you know the biggest real estate deal that the city's had so far that I've seen was actually with a Blackstone, um, and they're an equity firm, so a multinational equity firm mm-hmm. that bought out uh, a bunch of office space in south, the south coast metro part of the city. So like there's Griffith Tower, like in that, like, that area. Mm-hmm. Um, they're major landowners over there, and that's like international money. Mm-hmm. So we're starting to see that I think a, a little bit more in like really those big office deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot more kind of uh, international owners and like um, owners from like Irvine, and uh, these like major companies and trusts that own land in the city, and what I'm mostly afraid of is that with the streetcar coming in. We're basically They're putting in a streetcar? Where yeah, are they we're putting it on Bristol? No, no it's like So it's like all the construction's Going on here on Fourth. So it's like the streetcar Is going to go down From the train station oh. All the way pretty much up The old Pacific Electric right away So it'll go right through Artesia Pillar mm-hmm. uh, And then go up to 17th uh, The idea from there Is like either It goes to Disneyland Or it starts making its way Over to LA So we can have that connection To LA there
1: How long is that going to take?
0: um this section should be done by 2021 2022 so we'll have that first section in place and then we'll have to figure out what the timeline is on the other one because mm-hmm. they also are thinking maybe having it connect from the other side towards um john Wayne airport and uci mm-hmm. maybe south coast uh, metro So it's going to be a trolley yeah it's basically a trolley and that's the thing that's kind of a problem with it it's going to be um part of it is going to be uh with cars and what you find is like if you do both of those and you don't have a it's right away it's going to be as slow as the slowest car right it's only going to be as fast as the slowest car, so there's still going to be some issues there, um, and that's kind of like what's weird but it's not the not the most scary part about it the scariest part about this is that, whenever you do that, it does make it so that you tend to raise the property values all along like that rail line which is great for the people that own property there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people that own property there in the Pilar are basically working class uh, immigrant families that own their land right because they were there like in the barrio for like for decades. Right. Mm-hmm. But what's happening is you have real estate speculators kind of coming in and like telling these people like, oh, hey, there's going to be a bunch of construction. You don't want to live here. Like I'll buy your property for like 20,000 more mm-hmm. than it's like worth. But they're thinking in their minds like, oh, this is all gonna flip and change, and then I'm gonna be able to build an apartment complex here, and then I'm gonna make like millions of dollars on the side from this deal. Mm-hmm. And we're not teaching uh, the residents like how they can like benefit from this brand new infrastructure that's going to p- in place, and letting them know, hey, this is uh, coming down the line. Uh, these are the state laws that are gonna impact you, and you know that's something that our city leaders should be like aware of and talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not, you know, because we're afraid to kind of even touch the subject, because then it's interfering with the market, even though. We're interfering with the market by putting in this, you know, large public investment mm-hmm. and not letting people know about or it. Why don't
1: we just have some, uh, you know, some of the, br- the the homies, dude, just get a couple of horses and, and trolley? Yeah, and we'll just start trolling people around, dude. <laughs> That'd be pretty good. <laughs> well,
0: we we do have the horses that come out here, right? And like, the, so the PD with the horses down here, they get uh, overtime for it. So um, another question I yeah. want to ask, um,
1: or subject I want to touch base on how do you feel because look at i, I live in fullerton mm-hmm. there are weed shops mm-hmm. available but they're not legit right Santa Ana, i think has the most right yeah yeah, do, yeah do, in do, the county do, for sure do you have information on that as far as like you know your yeah. city planner so you know yeah. where where the weed shops are where where mm-hmm. they can and cannot be
0: right so yeah so the, the weed shops uh, basically if you ever see anything that's next to like a residential area probably not legal so if <laughs> you have a home that you can see like from where you're at probably not a legal one if you have any of them in the downtown, not a legal one. Um, if you're in the middle of this industrial spot that you're like, what the hell? There's like a furniture factory next to me. Then it's probably a legal one. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's only certain sections that are M1 or M2. So those are industrial zones mm-hmm. um, that are a certain distance away. So there's like a little map that kind of shows you where they're at. Mm-hmm. And there's a list from the city of these are the ones that have licenses. Um, the thing that they're having a really big problem with is that the licensed ones are um, do not advertise their location on Weed Maps, or they, they kind of do, or they don't. They have this love hate relationship with Weed Maps uh, because yeah, because
1: I just use, I I use uh, Yelp, mm-hmm. um, and then yeah, Weed Maps you you really don't don't see all of them. How many are there?
0: Do you know? Uh, it's not that many. I think there's only like like it's uh, in the low teens right now. So there's still some that are kind of like opening up, um, and like those like they're they're pretty like it's pretty hard cap on retail. Uh, what we're allowing now is though all the cultivation, manufacturing, distribution, all that stuff is pretty much unlimited. You just have to go through the process mm-hmm. um, and like avoid over concentration. But that's like a really big kind of section in the market that's like going to keep growing. Mm-hmm. Um, the retail is like the spot, the spot that's kind of like a little bit more contained. It's probably for the best right now just because you're still competing against so many, um, you'd say, black market, untaxed dealers. So price difference is so it makes it hard for mm-hmm. some of these uh like other newer uh, shops to compete with that uh because it is you know twice as expensive usually right and it's like yeah you yeah, know so those tax the tax rates we're kind of like moving around a little bit to mm-hmm. see exactly mm-hmm. how to make it so that more people shop at legal shops rather than going to mm-hmm. other dispensaries
1: yeah i go to legal shops still you know yeah. just because yeah. uh the stuff that i i want they don't have and yeah. and, and, and the butt tenders they're called or so, uh, you know, I'm sorry to complain, but they're, they're bougie. I went to a legit one once, Great, right, yeah. you know, and, and go, you know, let me go try. I'm gonna go see and, and I was talking to the guy about, you know, what I smoked and blah, blah, blah. And he just threw something at me and just threw me out the door. Like he was a doctor. I'm like, dude, like, that's not how, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I don't know for them to be legit, but only have their product you know it's just you're taking away from other people that you know can't afford to 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 start their own company so I see a lot mm-hmm. of big uh people who just got money just gonna come in and just try to f- just take because they see they see you know gr- green is gold
0: yeah it, and that's a big thing in the cannabis policy right now on the planning side is uh, equity around cannabis um and you know Oakland tried it but even that's failing right there right so because what we didn't do and this is something we should have done like years ago because we knew that this was gonna happen. Uh, was make allowances or kind of like um, ways so that people that were um, in the black market or maybe might have had like convictions. Do are, they make
1: are, it too hard? Do they make it really – I heard it's really difficult to it for is. people to get – to be legit.
0: Oh, it, it's, it's pretty tough. And the thing is like um, by pretty tough, it's more than anything. It's like having the money and the time to be able to do it. So you need like you're, – you're talking like right off the bat like $500,000 to just like have laying around just to get started. And really, like some of these enterprises are like putting down like $2 million and it's a lot of like investment funds that are like, OK, this is where the money is. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it is one of those things, like I said, just you know, very bougie. Right. And it's like we're not doing anything kind of like mom and pop tenders or mom and pop like uh, like uh, uh, retail sellers. It's all been this kind of big corporate like mm-hmm. land grab. And I remember like, years ago people were talking about big cannabis. Right. And then that was really kind of what the concern was going to be. So yeah, we're still kind of seeing that. So and
1: trying w- to see what's gonna happen, how's it gonna play out? Because uh, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, you know, it's the beginning. You know, it's like uh, when when alcohol was prohibited, you know, and then it came back. You know, there had to be different levels, and they had mm-hmm. to tweak things. The same thing they're gonna, they're gonna tweak, and they're gonna see what's gonna. I mean, because they gotta, they gotta do what's gonna benefit benefit the the average person. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. I, I would love to grow some weed and be able to, you know. Exchange it with someone or sell it with someone, you know, without having to open a store or something like that.
0: So right. So, and, you know, that, I guess the, the model there would be a micro, like a micro brewer, right? Yeah. So
1: micro it, brew, Yeah. My homeboys, a lot of my boys are micro growers. Yeah.
0: Right. And that's the thing. I think um, I think you're absolutely right because what we're seeing is kind of more moving towards that model, and we're saying like, oh no, like this is a different like a
1: butt exchange.
0: Oh yeah, I I love that. Yeah, that would be something thing. good. Are you
1: do you smoke weed? Or you can't because of you
0: know politics. <laughs> no, yeah, So I actually I don't really smoke that much. Um, mm-hmm. So I know that people have asked, and I'm like, yeah, no, um, because for me, I actually get paranoid a lot. Like, um, yeah. it just doesn't. <laughs> no, my, it's my <laughs> yeah, physiology. Yeah. It's like, so like I just don't like to smoke. Um, as like, like uh, I'd say. To the level that my friends like to.
1: <laughs> did you like to? Re, did you like to uh, go hang out at Berkeley? Did you you know do some frat <laughs> parties stuff like that? Did you do I, all that? I never, I never, either? I
0: never really did the frat parties, but it would we do house parties for sure. And um, I actually really did you live on
1: campus or off campus.
0: Uh, oh, it's weird because pretty much everything is off campus. All the housing, none of it's really on the campus. Okay. Um, but you like you had uh, I was in the transfer dorms for a bit, which is a little bit south, like in the downtown by Telegraph. So I was in Spence Black. Uh, I pr- I didn't get kicked. Out, but I got encouraged to be like, well, one more violation. We have to get you out of here. Uh-huh. So uh, I really lucked out that we ended up finding this like condo um, that was like a four bedroom. It was like more like a three and a half bedroom condo, uh-huh. but it was a penthouse. Uh-huh. Wow. Well, I know. So we were like, oh. we basically had like a view of the Golden so you, Gate Bridge. Would have double, parties all the time? Oh, my God. It was it was great. Yeah. So it was like parties. It just like, be making like mixed drinks. But the, 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 it was a bunch of dudes. But the only problem was like, a <laughs> bunch was, of dudes. Yeah. Cause it was like, no, cause it, no, no, no. Um, no, a bunch of dudes like for the living situation. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. It was like, I, party, like, I party but it's just a bunch, a bunch of, of dudes. dudes. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it was, um, so they, um, what was it? we we would party there but the thing was it was like one bathroom so it was like the drawback right so we had this oh. beautiful penthouse but then like four bedrooms the and one then the, the bathroom? one bathroom the one oh. bathroom so we're like okay we, we can work around this of you know again a bunch of dudes are like we, how many guys uh there's only four of us so okay yeah, four, so one yeah. Bathroom? yeah. actually no wait there's five five of us sorry yeah. Shh. so but it was like it was the best living situation we could have right because we were like oh dude this is actually pretty cool um let's do this instead right so we ended up, you know, living there, and that was like really great, like party time there. Like, they uh, took all the people from Spence Black, and then had this little like spot that people would come down to, and you know, for me though, it was also just kind of hanging out and just kind of like walking around. Did you campus. work
1: part time or anything, or you just studied and went to school?
0: Yeah, I was mostly studying. I, what I was doing was volunteering for the Emma Goldman Papers there. So she was a um, radical, like um anarchist uh, feminist, like really like interesting, like political philosopher from like the 1920s. Um, a Ukrainian, no, it's a Ukrainian. No, Lithuanian, oh my God, I can't believe I'm forgetting this. Uh, Eastern European immigrant, <laughs> uh, but uh, she was like really cool and very inspirational as far as like the the work that she did uh, when when she was around. Like you know, really radical for a time, but now things that we kind of take for granted. You know, it's like forty-hour work week, the right to contraception, the ability for what was she to about. Meals um and pretty much challenging the capitalist system like during the gilded age right so when people were like amassing all this some large amount of money and basically exploiting workers and mm-hmm. you know people living in like tenements like she was all against that and uh they called her like red emma because like you know, just like you know this like radical person mm-hmm. but um yeah, it's super cool so i ended up working on those papers um as part of like a, my, my research like um i was at the undergraduate research apprentice program mm-hmm. uh so i did mostly did that so i was really the only thing i got like super into like everything else would go to class hang out, uh, do some of the archival work. That was pretty much it because it was just like so much going on you all the time. For
1: th- you were there for two years.
0: Yeah, I was just there for two years. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was like, a pretty short time. Did you period. ever go to any
1: football games or anything like that? Um,
0: One. I think I went to one. So, I'm like, that's the thing. I'm not, like, a big – Tailgater. No, uh, I, I used to tailgate did? USC all the time. Uh, I
1: wanted to go to USC. So, when I graduated from Cal State Fullerton, uh, you know – I. I could afford it, of course. You know, mm-hmm. I'd go tailgate all the time, stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, that stadium is really sick. Yeah, it, it it is the a way stadium, you walk yeah. in, yeah, you mm-hmm.
0: isn't it like it's in the bowl, right? It's a bowl, and it's got the hill. You got the like hill. Real redwoods everywhere. Yeah. And then when you said like the, yeah, the experience of going through to it, and you're like, oh wow, the Memorial Coliseum, it's great. Um, but it's a. Um, yeah, it's it's a really nice. It was a really nice stadium. How about protests? A lot of protests going on. Oh yeah, on. a lot of protests. Yeah, like tree protests, people yes. against the tree protests. I think I've seen that on yeah. t-
1: one of the football games. <laughs> the girls tied to the tree. Yeah,
0: <laughs> they're definitely trying to save like the twelve redwoods, but I'm like, can't we just save an Amazon rainforest instead? Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm I'm like need- protesting that. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm like
1: mm. one, more qu- one more qu- one more one more.
0: Question before yeah. we
1: get out of here, because uh, we're 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 over, but it's okay. Right. I, I want to talk about one more thing. My sister, shout out to my sister who wants to come on the podcast. Laura, get your shit right, then you could come on the podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, um, homelessness, yeah. homelessness in Santa Ana. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll, we'll we'll stick to that. What's going on? Because I I had jury duty over here recently, uh, and I'm walking, you know, to the jury room. And I look over and I just see nothing but tents. I thought it was a swampy, which is so many. Mm-hmm. Now I don't think I don't know if they, they move them out of there or yeah. what. But what's what's going on with the homelessness?
0: Right. So uh, we're we're in a homelessness crisis. That's essentially uh, the entire kind of west coast of um yeah you know, the entire west coast is experiencing this. We've had a lot of um, people that have been priced out of even like low income housing or like yeah you know, basically not having anywhere else to live that have ended up on our streets. Uh, combined with an opioid and methamphetamine epidemic that we Mm -hmm. have and the lack of any kind of new construction. So they're like all this stuff going on, right? Um, But specifically in Santa Ana, the folks that used to be kind of concentrated in the downtown civic center area got pushed out. So everything kind of got fenced off for remodeling and like fixing and all that. So the anti-camping ordinances that we have have started to be enforced there. But that basically spread it out like through the rest of the city. So now, like everywhere along our rail lines, a lot of you know different little pockets of downtown, mm-hmm. over here at Birch Park. Um, so pretty much uh, throughout the city, now we have this kind of like uh, this. Population. How many homelessness do we have in Santa Ana? Um, I thought the last count was like around two or three thousand. Oh, um, so. so it's 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 quite a big chunk. But part of that also happens because any homeless person that's like arrested anywhere in the county then gets like booked and like oh a misdemeanor uh let's say trespassing or misdemeanor loitering like oh well we better go book them but they go book them over here at the county jail and so then it's like oh it got picked them up here took them over to the county and then they get released because they're like they're done but then that really just all effectively all it does is it transport people transports homeless folks from the entire rest of the county somebody down to somebody
1: told me that because i i deliver intestine now mm-hmm. somebody says that uh Irvine is getting the homeless and busloads and dropping them off in Tustin.
0: I don't know about busloads, <laughs> but um, well, then
1: don't they take their stuff and and take uh, the, like when they kick the homeless off mm-hmm. of a section because they were doing that in Santa Ana. They're mm-hmm. all living on r- riverbed, mm-hmm. and from what I heard, they were confiscating everyone's stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Put it in a truck, and then there was a, a facility in Irvine where you can go and collect it if you mm-hmm. wanted it.
0: Right, but then it's like limited hours, and they don't tell you when it's open. Yeah, they yeah. always lose your stuff, yeah. and they're like, oh, we can't find now it. Now they just
1: leave it. Now I'm just seeing people just leave the stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I see, I, I drove up today, I saw a sleeping bag up the right here on the sidewalk. Yeah,
0: yeah, uh, you know, yeah, exactly. And I think it's uh, so with that, there's just like still that crisis. We don't have enough uh, what's, uh would be permanent supportive uh, mm-hmm. housing because um, that's typically going to be for the people that have mental illness so we shut down all of our state hospitals um so right now in costa mesa there's a big debate as to how many um homeless people they're going to accept over there so that used to be a state mental health facility um it has room for about a thousand people so it used to have a thousand mentally ill people there and now it's pretty much empty so they're saying like okay well can they accept 200 people that otherwise would be on the street into this facility that basically used to take care of them as a mental facility now it would just be for permanent supportive housing for homeless with mental issues mm-hmm. or uh, homeless individuals with mental health issues the um thing there is like it's going to be dragged out so we don't know exactly how and when that's going to happen mm-hmm. uh the other major challenge right now mm-hmm. in the city is that there's like a proposal for a 425 bed shelter over at the yale mm-hmm. um facility by Godinez in centennial park i know where that's at mm-hmm. yeah so mm-hmm, so they're uh, fairview and harvard yeah exactly so it's just like going on over there and like the thing is the city like maybe about 10 years ago did this massive amount of community outreach trying to figure out okay what if we're gonna have these shelters what are the basic rules and we said like okay no shelter over 200 beds that's like we're saying like okay very you know we don't want an over concentration so we'll accept shelters that are that meet these minimum standards and the county basically says like well we have the courtyard over here and it's already 400 so we're gonna go over here with 425 and it's gonna be better for everybody and in a way it is gonna be better for all the people downtown because then you don't have like that, like that grouping That we have I call
1: here. On my podcast I go The zombies are walking Cause you can yeah. see them walking from up here and, yeah. Cause I was here I'd be here late at night And you know Working on the podcast Before I started mm-hmm. podcasting And just Working 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 And I'd leave at night And you just see them Walking like zombies at night mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And part of it's though that they got to keep moving because if, if they stop, then they get uh, arrested and like, oh, totally move that's on. right. So huh. they got to keep like keep them moving. And that's like you get so exhausted just from being out like all day and you can't stop because like, anywhere you rest, you just get like moved on. Yeah, but
1: there's plenty of places. Like, you know what they're doing at Tustin, the homeless? Uh, they're jumping on the roofs of buildings on First Street and they're sleeping up on top of the roofs. Oh, no. Right. Yeah. You could, they creative. got wires. They were mm-hmm. watching. Uh, w- one of my customers goes, Yeah, he was sleeping up there and he was watching Disney movies. <laughs> he had Disney DVDs, he had a DVD player at TV. It was plugged yep. into the wall. Yeah, they're climbing on the roofs and they're sleeping on the roofs. Yeah, that's creative. I hadn't seen that <laughs> one before.
0: Uh, I think we just had a video where Liddy popped out of a manhole like there on Bristol. <laughs> really? And, yeah, Ninja Turtles did. Yeah, she just like she's like and it was like a video over there and
1: she's like, what just happened? <laughs> she go, yeah, she was like, she was like, wait, wrong street.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like that's the thing. Like some of those manholes, like you know, have those grates. Yeah, like if you go yeah. in there, they're, they're like little like they're heavy. Yeah, but they're heavy. But they're like they're spacious sometimes because you just have so much equipment down there um so i know that that was a whole thing like with the um there's a utility uh, shaft over there by um by first street that they're just kind of redoing right now oh, yeah but i remember some friends told me in fact i think it was uh one of our mutual friends uh that you know you'd, you'd be able to open it up before and there was just like one big like you know trip down into a tunnel basically so yeah, you had yeah. people living there um pretty much under any kind of tunnel my like
1: co-worker he says that w- uh one of the businesses there's an elevator uh that a guy lives in the elevator. He goes every time I hit the button. One time he was changing his clothes in the mm-hmm. elevator. He goes one time I open it he was sleeping. Yeah. And like the
0: the people don't say anything. He just Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like yeah, it's gonna be a big challenge. But part of it's um so it's like a th- for me at least it was like a three point uh or four point uh uh proposal right. It's like number one um a lot of the people that get into shelters for the first time. Um, you can do early intervention and get him a job, right? So number one reason people are homeless: economic reasons, and that's like seventy percent of our people.
1: I need, to, I need. Uh, what you guys need is to uh, correlate with UPS because we need driver helpers. They're dropping like flies. Really? I, yeah, I had a homeless. He go, he goes. Can you get me a taco? He has missing. He had one shoe on. And the other foot was all oh, mangled. Was and dead. but he was a young kid. He's just, he's just going the wrong way. Mm-hmm. I've been there. I've been shot out. Yeah. You know. But I was like, dude, like ups is hiring helpers go go work yeah. you know what i mean just it starts there mm-hmm. you know what i mean you can still you're already out in the street you're used to sleeping out in the street mm-hmm. you might as well just go to work and then come home and sleep on the street but you at least you're getting money in your pocket yeah you know what i mean and, but you know a lot of them i heard uh, or, or you know what was it on the news i was talking to someone on the news recently uh, the homeless, they're trying to get Wi-Fi in downtown L.A. for the homeless because they can't use their phones. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's right. like they got, they're got homeless, but they got phones. And I go, yeah, because th- they're still getting checks. They're still mm-hmm. on disability. You know, they, they just want to live on the street and do drugs.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. So that's like the most visible part of our population, right? So that, But that's only about 30%. It's like one-third of our homeless population. But mm-hmm. what we have a lot of are people... Um, sleeping in their cars, um, basically oh, staying, yeah. staying like day to day from hotels, couch surfing. So, like when I talk about homelessness, it's actually it is a bigger problem that we don't see because mm. what ends up happening is like you see someone that's like homeless, homeless, and like they're the people that are chronically homeless that we like that are on drugs that are mm. like okay, have all these other issues. But there's an, an entire an other entire h- th- that, that, yeah. yeah, and you just say like oh well that person looked normal and they're not homeless But they in fact have no home and are living in their car. Did
1: you see that there's a video on YouTube? I, got, I forgot what it's called, but there's one guy's homeless mm-hmm. But he, he he knew where the restrooms to use mm-hmm. and he had he had his, his, his nice outfit and yeah. every night he goes he goes what do you say? I go, you know, and, I, and he was a good looking guy. He's decent, I guess. And yeah. he would get a check. He goes, he goes, what did we say? Six, six nights out of the week, I'm usually going home with another woman, or a, a woman and, and sleeping on her bed. Yeah. But there he goes, you know, sometimes, I, you know, if I, I sleep on the street, he goes, most of the time I'm, I'm back at a hotel or, or you know, at a, at a house with a woman. Mm-hmm. Imagine
0: that, dude. Yeah. It, that's the thing. It's like, so sometimes it's just like the hidden homeless. Right. And for me, like the, the part that concerns me the most are families that are homeless. So, like, yeah. if, if you go to, if you go to the San Diego Unified School District, their definition of homelessness is different than, like, the state definition. So they go for anyone that's overcrowded, and, like, by those numbers, we have, like, 3,000 families that are essentially effectively homeless in the city. And that's really, like, the, the big issue. And for a lot of that, it ends up being just that things are too expensive, right? So there's no... Uh, place for them to live and if they do um, it's maybe like in a garage but not even a con- fully converted garage mm-hmm. um, so maybe yeah, it's
1: not even up to code
0: yeah so like for us accessory dwelling units I know a lot of people are worried about like the, the way that changes neighborhoods but that, to me that would be one of the solutions and it is hard right because if you try to add housing but then people say like oh there's already too many people here and then you're like no one wants anyone new so if you're how to say this if you're poor and brown you don't want anyone like rich and white moving into your neighborhood if you're rich and white and you don't want anyone like poor and brown moving into your neighborhood right so yeah. it's like but no one wants anyone moving into the neighborhood it's like once you're like a homeowner mm-hmm. it's like it cuts across um it cuts across racial lines where you basically don't want that neighborhood to change and it's tough cuz then you just want it to stay nice and stable what and do you
1: think about the uh, vietnamese We're mm-hmm. coming in san ana now, places that used to be mm-hmm. all mexican now you got Hispanic, Mm -hmm. Vietnamese, Hispanic, Mm -hmm. you know, Vietnamese,
0: Vietnamese. Yeah, it's a a a big change, right? Well, yeah, the 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 Asian population is the fastest growing section of the city right now. So that, like, those numbers, um, they're actually uh, the next largest minority group, or uh, they're the next next largest uh, racial uh, group uh, compared to uh, um, Latin Americans or Latinos or uh, whatever grouping you want to use, Hispanic. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, yeah. and that's so growing because that's pretty much a you know, little saigon growing and you know santa Ana was actually the first place where a lot of um uh vietnamese refugees came in because it was so inexpensive to live here mm-hmm. and then kind of migrated over to uh little saigon um in between westminster garden grove and all that but you know the west side of santa Ana's always had that connection and we have districts here that are mostly vietnamese mm-hmm. uh, but it's just on the west side and those are that's probably going to have 10. So teams. that's
1: probably the majority, you know, we got is Hispanics and yes, yeah, so we're like we're
0: 80 or 80 percent um, uh, uh, Latin American, Latino, okay, uh, and percent. then about 10 percent uh, Vietnamese, eight, um, actually just Southeast Asian, East Asian. And then like so that just entire kind mm-hmm. of a area of the world, it's about uh, 10 percent. And then it's about 8 or 7% um, You're know, just uh, non-Hispanic Caucasian. Hmm. So, like, all those numbers and all the you know, different uh, groupings and stuff. But it's really just that sometimes, like, that doesn't matter as much as, like, whether a person's renting hmm. or whether a person's a homeowner. What's the, nat- what's the nationality of the homelessness? What, what are we seeing? Oh, okay. So, that is disproportionately uh, for the area African-American and Caucasian. Um, so a lot of the homeless individuals that we have, uh, you know, if don't match necessarily the demographics of the city. Yeah. So, so that's like the other weird part that people like here, I think, get frustrated with because we're basically saying, look, um, this is what our city is made out of, but these are not what our homeless individuals mm. look like. And so we feel like you know it's being dumped on like from other locations. So they're getting. So then, they're getting. So where are they getting their drugs from? Um. No, that's that's a good question. Uh, mostly uh, people on bicycles. <laughs> it is. So, yeah, people on bicycles going back and forth. So those are usually uh, tend to be uh, deliveries. Hispanics, maybe. Yeah, maybe not all. Of them.
1: Not all of them, huh? Yeah, but it's also
0: uh, you know, whatever runs the local. Uh, actually, oh, so know. they're
1: delivering through bikes, though, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. And so you'll see that in like the. So look for people like riding bikes with small packages going back and forth on a particular street.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow.
0: That's <sighs> yeah, a lot, man. And it's a lot.
1: it's a lot of information to take in this podcast man i you know i, I went over it's okay man but i you're very knowledgeable of, uh, of the city and you seem really passionate uh, you know uh, uh, what you're doing and i want to let you know man i'm proud of you and you're definitely going to be on the podcast again and we're going to keep track of you make sure you know you get you get that that seat
0: <laughs> you know yeah the three years of so 2022 i'll be back <laughs>
1: will go ahead and, and tell the the audience where they could get a hold of you, mm-hmm. you know, give them all, give them all that good stuff.
0: Okay, so uh, your name's uh, Manny Escamilla, so M A N N Y E S C A M I L L A. if anyone really wants to get a hold of me, my phone number is 714-585-5523. Um, and the uh, best way is probably still just Instagram, so it's Manny uh 4SA, so it's M A N N Y F O R and sorry, F O R S A So many for SA and uh, that's probably the other way to to get a hold of me. So yeah, that'll be about it. All right. And, uh, you know, thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah. I want to thank all my listeners. Uh, first and foremost, I want to give a shout out to all my, all my, uh, customers all my family and friends thank you for the support thank you for listening to this podcast and i will see you guys next time have a good week get up let's grind let's get it no matter what we go through you know let's let's learn and teach and love each other i love you guys i'll see you next time